Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome back to another episode of Modernizer Die, the CFML News Edition. September 17th, 2019. And Brad, thanks for joining yeah. me. Yes, happy to be here. So I'm Gavin Thicken. I'm a software consultant for Order Solutions and Brad Wood, the lead architect for Order Solutions. So if you say so, that's what it says today. <laughs> Our titles change randomly. We should do the Roadrunner thing where we have like made up Latin names for us to see if anybody <laughs> notices like Bertus, Fastus, something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's get into the news. So first and hot off the press, Command Box 4.8.0 is released. I think you just did it a few minutes ago. So we were running a little bit late today for the those of you that are watching live. And the main reason is because Brad was busy releasing Command Box. So tell us what's what's in this one. I was busy releasing command box. I uh, just sent the tweets and just finished the blog post. And I just hit submit on the homebrew poll, like literally as you were starting the stream. So um, yeah, command box 4.8. This is a, a minor release and it's just kind of a big old collection of uh, enhancements and features and some bug fixes that have gathered up since about July when I did the 4.7 release. Um, some of the notable uh, fixes in here are uh, you can cache HTTP downloads. So if you use that trick to start up a Lucy server snapshot using that update URL, you can do uh, HTTP plus cache colon slash slash and the rest of the URL in command box will uh, will store that zip file on the local artifacts. So that's a nice little feature. Mm. Um, I have a, a handful of pull requests from the community, which is really nice. Uh, Kai Koenig sent me a pull to uh, get better... Um, support on Linux, I believe, when you use the edit command to open up files and things. Um, I also got a couple pull requests from John Burquest in this release. Um, a new feature I didn't even know about in Bash and PowerShell is you can type CD slash, just like a hyphen. Not, sorry, not slash, I meant dash, a hyphen. And that'll change back to whatever your previous working directory was. That's a nice little feature when you're jumping back and forth between two folders. So hmm. command box 4.8 does that. Uh, the other pull request John Burquest sent me uh, was actually two pull requests. Uh, for better uh, tab completion. So now when you are changing into like a, a directory that has a space in the name, uh, you know, if you just type it, it'll error without the quotes around it. So the tab completion in command box is now smart enough to auto quote anything with a space in it. And the tab completion still works even with only the, the starting quote, which is a, a super time saver. And when you do uh, native binary uh, operations, like, you know, dollars, I'm, I'm sorry, exclamation point, get commit and then a file name or something, um, you can get tab completion on those now from uh, files and folders. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, there's a handful of super uh, helpful little enhancements and things that are all in there. Uh, some fun stuff and environment variables um, in your package scripts, like uh, you know, on server start, you can access environment variables now uh, with all the intercept data. Um, I even pass um, any local shell environment variables into the server process as you start, just to give you more options on how you want to configure your servers. So. That Very and more cool. is all in the 4.8 release. The uh, the blog post uh, just got put out. Uh, it'll be in the show notes, and I'm going to paste it into our uh, our chat here as well. You can read the full uh, release notes, um, all the features, improvements, and bugs there. So please give it a uh, a try and let us know if you uh, have any questions. 
Very, very cool. Okay, well, it sounds like some other people have been busy releasing stuff lately. So we have a new stable release of Lucy and a release candidate. Um, and so it looks like 5.3.3.62 is being released, and it's been already added to Forgebox. So you guys can uh, get that. It's yes. all, uh, already available. And the release candidate, 5.3.4.54 release candidate, is on Forgebox. Um, remember, it's not a stable release, so if you want it, you got to ask for it, uh, <laughs> and you can do that. And we've got in the show note, we have the little server start, CF engine equals Lucy at 5.3.4.54-RC. Uh, and so it's a mouthful if you if remember if you're ever thinking to yourself oh crap what was the, that you know recent lucy release Tap little tricks from the cli you can type forgebox show lucy or for that matter forgebox show adobe and you can see the last like four or five versions right there it's a nice little quick trick and when you type server start cf engine equals um you can hit tab uh, on like Lucy at sign and then hit tab and you'll get tab completions. So we, we don't expect you to memorize all these version numbers. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I love the tab completion. Just remember it, put 5.3 before you hit tab, because otherwise you'll get every version in. And we're pretty good about adding them to Forgebox. So like every little one is there. So there's yeah. a lot. So uh, I didn't know about the, the show just giving me the last so many. So that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, one of the, I guess one of the updates in the release candidate is that you can't set an initial password from the web admin screen anymore for security. That makes sense. So yeah, that's um, a big change. And that's actually a ticket I put in like three years ago. I don't know about three. I put it in a long time ago. Um, Cause you know, the problem is if you, if you're doing a local server, no one cares, right. You know, mm -hmm. set the password, whatever. But if you, uh, you know, if you're standing up a VPS or something that's public on the internet, um, you know, you install Lucy next, next, next done. Uh, well, actually the, the, the Lucy installer will try to collect a password, but, but if you, if you haven't set that, um, then basically the administrator just lets whoever the first person who comes to it set the password. So if a malicious, you know, user, if a hacker found your administrator before you get a chance to get around to setting that default password, Lucy would just happily accept an old password from them. Um, and they could lock you out of your own administrator, which would be uh, a little bad. So, uh, yeah, the, the big change in the release candidate is that, you know, if you just spin up a Lucy server with command box and you open up the, the server administrator, instead of saying, ho there, give us a password and we'll blindly use it, it says, nope, there's no password set. And if you want it set, you got to go write it into a text file and save it somewhere in your hard drive and click a button. Now, the good news is if you're a command box user, I mean, that's good news already, but <laughs> if you're a command box user and you have CF config installed, you have several other um, options at your fingertips to make that even easier. Because I'll admit, for local development, it's a bit of a pain, right? You spin up a Lucy server, you're like, oh, let me go jump on the admin. You're like, oh, crap, there's no password, right? Now I have to go, like, do stuff. Um, so with Command Box, you know, you can drop in a, a JSON file or just have an environment variable set called cfconfig underscore admin password and set to whatever you want your default password. And any Command Box servers you start will just suck that in with cfconfig and use it. So um, there's a silver lining on that uh, usability-wise. If you're on Command Box, you have some better, uh, better things at your disposal. Yeah, I remember having to get into the XML configuration files and go and find the the password, the HWPS or whatever it was, sit in the and mm -hmm. the XML file and mess with that stuff in the old days. So uh, yeah, much easier these days. So. Uh, cool. So the new versions are out. Go check them out. They're on Forgebox already and obviously at the Lucy site. Uh, if you go to dev.lucy.org, there's an announcement about it and we've got a link in the show notes as well. So, 
So, um, so next on the list is Order Solutions to release the new website. So actually going to show you what it looks like. So it's so space age that we actually have a spaceman on it. But uh, <laughs> if you scroll down the page a little more, you see another screen. I'm just going to flick to that. I thought this was kind of cool because it has a couple of stats, you know. So 250 plus legacy migration projects, 150 plus open source projects, and 2.2K, um, which 2200 pull requests resolved, which is pretty neat. And now, I remember uh, when we hit a thousand pull requests, and it's crazy to think that we're well over 2000 now. Yeah, it's really gone up uh, pretty quickly lately. So, I mean, when I have a command box release and like half of the features are sent to me via pull request, it's pretty cool. <laughs> You can see why. Yeah, that's very, very cool. So, so yep. So, uh, nothing too special, but for us, it's a big deal. A new website, uh, adding lots of new features and stuff in there and trying to keep it fresh. And, uh, and we like the space theme. We're so trying fresh. to keep things so modern fresh. and, uh, you know, <laughs> space travel, I guess, is pretty modern. Uh, <laughs> so, if you go to autosolutions.com, you can check out the new site and, uh, well, yeah, just let us know. If, got any feedback on it um we're we're pretty proud of it so thanks to uh isma and sonia they did a lot of work on that site we appreciate them and uh, there are there are a couple of our designers if you don't know yep designer programmers just just to be clear true. but true <laughs> um also um adobe's new forms have been released so if you go to community.adobe.com now you'll see a list of all the the forms they have and obviously the cold fusion one is one of the new ones too so there is a little sore point to this. There always is. <laughs> but uh, some of the community <laughs> members are not too happy that you have to click on um, print and publishing to find Cold Fusion. It's not listed under the web development here. Yeah, and that um, was really surprising. I mean, I, I understand that Adobe at a high level is kind of rolling all of their, you know, kind of disparate product forms together into one big, you know, giant thing. Um, I mean, I think it's very unfortunate that, you know, it's one more, one more thing that Adobe's, you know, no longer powering in Cold Fusion, um, but I get they want to consolidate. But it just doesn't make any sense that they have a web and design category, but Cold Fusion's not not listed under. It's under print and publishing. I, I don't. I I, w I assumed it was a mistake, but I pointed it out on Twitter to one of the Adobe engineers, and they they just didn't reply. So I'm like, well, I assume that was on purpose. But can you explain? What, I mean, just so you what guys your, know, Dreamweaver is in both. Dreamweaver, which everybody used for web design, is in print and publishing, as well as design and web. So, yeah, you know, like they can know. be in multiple categories. It's not like, you know, it's not like, oh, there's not enough room in here. There's plenty of things in there. So, uh, and Kai Koenig even put a tweet out there saying, uh, you know, basically, one might argue that if Adobe categorizes as a web development platform and, you know, puts ColdFusion and the print and publishing instead of web design. It's not a good indicator for the state of ColdFusion. He's telling people, go use Lucy instead. So it's obviously upset <laughs> a few people. Um, There's reasons know, to use Lucy. I don't know if that's one of them, but I have but a yeah. feeling whoever categorized that probably is not in the ColdFusion team, and it's probably some you know, marketing person behind a desk somewhere that doesn't even know what ColdFusion is. But so Yeah. Yeah, maybe because uh, Cold Fusion has like PDF functionality in it, they think it's print and publishing. <laughs> Who knows? So, anyways, um, it, it was <laughs> it released. PDFs, it must be print and publishing. Yeah, but uh, we have the direct link to it. If you go to print and publishing, you'll find it. Uh, and that also relates to another thing here that uh, Charlie has updated his, um, you know, lost content from the Adobe forums. 
um, blog post, and so he has a couple of updates. So one update is the cutover didn't happen until September 12th instead of, I think it was going to be the 9th. Um, uh-huh. And so in there, content created between um, September 22nd and midday the 9th is meant to be missing. But they uh, they did some work, and I guess that they've been syncing the forms with the portal so you may find the portal uh, is up to date more than the forms were. So um, th- not all the data is lost and, and everything. So uh, we've got a link to that um, that blog post there from, from Charlie. And so I guess the portal is going to be housing some of the content that was lost. And it's still not completely up to date, but it's more up to date. So... Um, so just to be clear, the, are the portal and the forums both going to live on side by side in the future i don't know um it's kind of interesting like because we'll actually notice that a lot of forum posts on the portal site show up as like they look like blog posts almost so they show up in the some of the blog feeds and so i'll click on one thinking oh this is another blog post you know to add to the show notes and i'm like oh actually this is just someone asking a question you know so I'm not sure. Weird. I think the the portal is kind of like a combination of a few different things. Um, I mean, I kind sure. of expected that part of the portal to go away in favor of the new uh, the new site, but I'm curious if they're planning on having them both side by side and syncing the data. I don't, I don't know that Adobe's had a lot of like official announcements that kind of explain what the what the goal is here. But. Yeah, I'm not sure to be honest. So if anybody knows officially or unofficially. Uh, let us know. <laughs> well, we'll we'll share share that information, spread that out. Um, so yeah, and uh, that also is good uh, good news for those of you who remember our uh, e eula the Euler uh, discussion from last week. I guess some of that content is living over on the portal now that since the, the forum would have removed it. Um, so there was a lot of content there, and it's still ongoing. Um, so Ferris Euler's day off. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, during my soapbox episode, I'm just here to make fun of Gavin while he talks. Yeah. <laughs> That's my goal. That's okay. <laughs> it's not a not a solo job there too. Everyone does it. But uh, <laughs> during my uh, conversation with uh, Charlie on the soapbox episode, uh, episode seven just came out talking to Charlie about uh, his background on Cold Fusion, but also um, you know working through um, the Docker with the Cold Fusion images the uh, at CF Summit, he also talked a little teeny tiny bit about the EULA stuff, and he's obviously uh, commenting and adding to that the forum post there as well. But he's pretty sad and disappointed about the way it's been treated so far with uh, with Adobe. And uh, we might actually have a special soapbox episode soon where he gives us a lot more detail because I guess he's been on some of the phone calls with Rex Sheaf and some of the salespeople during this process, and so he's got some firsthand experience uh, with this whole. Euler situation. So um, yeah, he's going to share that. Uh, if you read through everything in the forum, you'll get that. But we thought we'd give it to you in a nice, you know, consumable chunk. So uh, we might see Soapbox Episode 8 be a, a Charlie Talks About Adobe Euler. So <laughs> we'll see if we can get that arranged. But uh, the rest of uh, our conversation is uh, available. Um, so if you go to modern, uh, soapbox.modernizerdie.io or you go to the YouTube and look at the Soapbox um, channel we have on the Auto Solutions blog, uh, sorry, YouTube, uh, you can get that episode as well. Um, also, you were busy last Friday doing a webinar. Do you want to tell us how it went? 
I've already blocked it out of my memory. Thanks for bringing up such a horrible memory. <laughs> um, no, yeah. Uh, I did a webinar last Friday. That that much is true. Um, it was on the new command box service manager module. I mentioned it last week. It's a pretty cool module. It's one of our commercial modules um, for command box, which means you give us money, we give you a module that makes you save time. Uh, and it lets you create Windows services and Linux system D services and Mac OS launch D services um, out of your command box server. So they can start on boot, they can automatically restart on failure, and they can otherwise uh, behave like a, a typical uh, daemonized uh, cold fusion service would. So use it for local development, use it for production, use it for staging, wherever you want to have servers that auto start, um, you can do that. And so we have support for the three main operating systems and my webinar, which is recorded. You can check it out. It just kind of goes through, shows all the features, shows how to use it. So. Yep. And that's, that's uh, what that was. Yeah. We have it available. It should be on YouTube as well as on Vimeo and the link will be in the show notes. So, okay. So that's the new news and let's get onto sort of our conference news here. So CF com uh, summit is two weeks. I'm like, uh Oh, I better finish my presentation. Uh, <laughs> so two weeks what from are you today. What, what are you presenting on again, Gavin? Um, the biggest bang for your buck with testing. So showing people how Big to use bang theory. That's what I heard. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm going to be doing some uh, some testing, showing people how to get started with it. If they're not using cold box or anything like that, they can still use tests on their legacy code and still get a big bang for their buck and you know save some time and money. But um, yeah, nice. so you should make people pay you to come to your session just because of all the time they're going to save and money. We'll, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, chip in with some uh, pass food. pass a hat near the end of your session. Yeah, I'll, I'll gladly take our top golf um, coupons. Oh, yeah, <laughs> top golf. So, the, I think the real question everybody wants to know, Gavin, is is the early bird pricing still in effect? That's it. Looks that's like really... it is this, <laughs> unless they haven't updated their website. But it looks like you know on the CF Summit events.com it still has a register now early bird price uh, at $99. So early bird price is still good. There you um, go. Everything there uh, is good. So again, it's at the Mirage, October 1st and 2nd, just about two weeks away. Uh, biggest conference of the year, uh, 500 plus people. Uh, you know, they have a good, good party and hopefully we'll be podcasting live from the party this year. Oh, so yeah. That's the plan. Uh, it's early bird, like I said, $99 gets you breakfast, lunch, and two days of great content. Um, and then we've got a lot of great speakers. Uh, Luis, Brad, Eric, and myself are talking from Audis. we got Rex Sheaf and um, some Adobe speakers coming as well, and a lot of community mm -hmm. members. Pete Freitag, Brian Class, Matt Clemente, uh, Charlie Earhart, etc. are all going to be there as well. So some of the familiar faces and some new ones as well. Uh, a, a lot of great sessions, all available online at cfsummit.adobeevents.com and then slash speakers to get the speakers. And then you can check out the schedule there as well. Yeah. yeah the, amount of, the amount of training that kind of sandwiches uh, Cold Fusion Summit is, I think, a big asset for it. Uh, there was an interesting conversation. I, we should have put this on the show notes to talk about. Um, in the CFML Slack today, uh, somebody came on, you know, talking about, uh, you know, looking at, at moving to a different language other than Cold Fusion. Um, due to difficulty of finding developers, which is a common common topic that comes up there uh, in the Netherlands. So I don't know what exactly what the developer market looks like there, um, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a common common issue is finding finding people to program in Confusion. And of course, the the conversation turned to to several different people, myself included, um, talking about you know the success they've had finding finding Java developers, .NET developers, 
you know, PHP developers that are that are smart cookies and just training them to learn ColdFusion. Um, you know, if you think about it, if you took a you know a developer and you sent them to ColdFusion Summit and you had them you know pick up one of the Adobe trainings ahead of time, they you know get two days worth of sessions of the summit. They go to one of the Ordis um, you know talks. Uh, you know, think how much of a head start you could get a developer on you know picking up modern ColdFusion practices. Uh, as as opposed to the alternative being you know throwing cold fusion in the trash and learning a whole new stack from scratch because you can't find developers. Yeah, and um, think about it too. I mean, just the cost of doing CF Summit, a pre-conference training, and then Audis's training after it for under a thousand bucks—that's crazy. Like, I can't even get any conference in California, which would save me, you know, flying time for under like fifteen hundred or two grand for just the the two-day conference. You know, so if, if you could do our training. You know, which obviously has a price. You know, CF Summit entry fee, and then the training has you know pre-conference training has got a different price too. All of those less than a thousand bucks. That's that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, I, five days. I, I think that trainings like this are underutilized. To be honest, I mean, there's there's already a lot of stuff just out there on the internet in general. You know, the modern CF Mel book that Luis recently uh, you know came out with the learn. Uh, learn CF in a week resources. There was already a lot of static resources, but these in-person trainings, um, you know, they happen all around the world um, attached to all the different conferences. I wish people would really tap into them more. Um, you know, the, the amount of, uh, of training you can receive in just one day or two days, I think is totally worth it. And when, when people are, you know, in a place where they're having a hard time getting cold fusion developers, you know, that, that do modern, uh, you know, modern best practices. I think that there's just a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity that's out there right now with what we have in place with these conferences and the trainings that book in them. Um, people need to use it. Yeah, and actually, last year at CF Summit, I ran into a guy. Uh, I think his name was Chris. Uh, don't remember his last name. Don't want to butcher another last name on the show. But Chris, <laughs> he was actually like a React developer, so JavaScript developer, coming to learn Cold Fusion because now he's working with it and he's tying them together. And he was amazed at what, you know, command box and the package management with Forgebox and everything else could do because the stuff they're writing at his shop, nothing like it. So he was all excited and a little scared to go back and tell them they need to change everything because they could do it the right way, but they're not. <laughs> but he was, you know, like, he was kind of like, oh, confusion. Like, you know, he had that impression that it wasn't well, yeah. modern or anything else. And when he got there, he, he felt bitter about his decision to join that shop. And, you know, he feels like, uh, you know, there is a future and he's, you know, more positive about it and, you know, looking to, yeah. to really advance. I mean, so. that's huge. I, th I mean, PHP has the same problems. I think some of the, you know, the older Ruby apps have the same problems. People don't want to come work at a shop and work on legacy um, in any language, you know, and of course, ColdFusion has lots of legacy. So, I mean, if you're looking to hire people and you're, you know, not using source control, not using testing, not using automation, not using frameworks and everything's a legacy pile of spaghetti code. Oh, I mean, of course, no one wants to come work there. I mean, if that were, if any language were the case, nobody would want to come work there. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got to you've got to be a shop that people want to come work at first and foremost. I don't. To me, the language is 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 not the big barrier there. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little bit more about the the training we had before and after. So, the pre conference mm -hmm. training. The big thing is the Adobe Confusion Specialist Certificate Program. I heard they've got about four rooms now put aside for this. Um, they got cow. a lot of stuff, and actually, um, a little inside information. So, 
Gray Disman, um, I think it was Dakuwan on uh, Twitter, uh, just tweeted. He said that work spring for me to get the cold fusion specialist cert. Who am I to say no? Just got Saw the that. training materials and time to see if there's anything I missed in the last decade or so. Spoiler, I'm sure there is. The first video, <laughs> all the samples are shown in script. So he was, pre- I don't know if that was a good thing or not, because I think uh, he was talking about switching from text to script recently, but the positive for modern CFML, the training is in script, because a lot of people were worried that it would be all tags or something like that. I, I think that bodes well for for the mo- modernity, if that was the right word to use of the, of the training. Yeah. And the other thing, uh, I'm not sure who's tweeted this one. I don't, didn't make a note here, but someone said they're working on the training, trying to get all ready for the specialist program and they're like wait a minute that's nolan irk <laughs> everywhere <laughs> there's training or learning nolan's there and that's true he's one of the people working on the videos and uh, i believe he's one of the instructors at uh cf summit uh, secrets out if it was a secret sorry about that but yeah so secret secret i've so, got a secret you know there adobe is calling on you know trusted resources in the cold fusion community to make this uh training work and and so it's good to see script it's good to see nolan working on it uh he's he's a great trainer does a lot of training um you know he's a full-time consultant doing a lot of training for a lot of companies uh so good to see that so so yeah so the adobe yeah. cold fusion specialist certificate program if you're not signed up for it there are limited uh, seats available and you have 20 hours of video content to get through before it. So you got two weeks. That's 10 hours a week. You better if you sign, sign up, up the day before you're doing an all nighter, man. <laughs> yep. Otherwise you're going to be uh, winging it, but um, there's a lot of information on the cfsummit.adobeevents.com site. If you click on the pre-conference, you can see all the requirements, what you'll go I'll over. Slam that registration link in the chat too. Yep. And then uh, there's more information. There's a blog post about it too. So we've linked those in the show notes. Uh, and that is at the Mirage as well, the day before, so September 30th, and it's from 8 o'clock in the morning till I believe 5 or 6 that night. Uh, but there are also additional trainings. So we have uh, three additional trainings if you're not going to do the certification. So in other words, if you don't want homework before you show up, uh, you can do Pete Freitag's Cold Fusion Security Workshop. That's a great hands-on one where you actually get to fix uh, some broken code. Uh, I believe he uses like a bank, some bank software as a as theme. Uh, it's a great one. You get like a little VM, so everything's ready for you to go. Uh, that works really good. It's uh, not no, a real bank. It's it's a fake bank software. Uh, yeah, that would be bad if Pete actually hacked into like a real website. <laughs> I mean, it'd be awesome, and they'd like take them out in handcuffs at the end of the session. Well, we can maybe <laughs> fake that. It is Vegas. There's probably there's plenty of handcuffs around. Um, well, I, <laughs> yeah, we, we've come close to seeing some people drug out in handcuffs in Vegas, so anything could be arranged. Yep. And then the, the second one is the one with Charlie. Charlie Earhart is doing a going from zero to 60 with cold, uh, Docker and cold fusion images. So again, I mentioned uh, we had the soapbox episode seven for the modernizer die podcast where I interviewed Charlie all about his history and also uh, that session and workshop. She's doing a session and a workshop and he talked about what he's going to cover. Uh, and a lot of it's just to get the word out there because these images have been out for a year or more and no one really talks about them much you know you always hear about lucy's images and our command box images but you know there's a lot of good things uh included and so charlie talks a lot about that and what you're going to expect if to go there um why you may want to go there and he you know talks about different resources for learning docker and some benefits and so it was a a, a really good episode i hope you guys can go check that out so soapbox.modernizer.io
or you can watch it on YouTube. And then there's another one here. Uh, the Adobe Core Fusion team is going to do a, a training on performance monitoring toolset. So they're going to take you through that toolset. If you're not using Fusion Reactor or C Fusion, uh, and you want to use Adobe's built-in one, uh, it's a great toolset, and they've done a lot of work on that to release it for CF 2018. So they're going to be going through and, and showing us that. And if you go to their website, um, there's actually a blog post talking about the workshop and what they're going to cover. If you want more information as well. But you can pick one of those three, and that is the day before the training. Day before the conference. Sorry. Yeah, day before the conference is the, the pre-workshop trainings. And after, Brad, tell us about our boot camp. Well, you're going to come, and we're going to give you the boot. We've, so our, our, the Ordis training is, is a post-conference training, so that way we're not interfering with any of those uh, good pre-conference trainings we just mentioned, but we're appealing to the Padawans and the Jedi Knights alike with our uh, Zero to Hero, backed by Popular Demand, which is one of the ones uh, we did last year. And that basically gets you up and running on Coldbox. Um, gets you up to a hero, Gavin. So basically, uh, understanding of how it works, how to use it, and it's all built around building an app from scratch. So you walk away with that with a, a working application built on top of Coldbox and a bunch of functional knowledge about it. And then if you've already done that in a previous year, or if you're familiar with Coldbox, we have our Hero to Superhero API edition. So that one's going to be really fun. Uh, Luis has done this uh, one time in the past, and I think Spain, um, in a, a, yep. a workshop that he did there. And so this will be the first time he's done it in English. <laughs> he's he's going to translate all of his uh, all of his content. This is going to be building, I believe, a headless CMS uh all based on a REST API in Coldbox using modularity and all the uh, JWT cores, all the cool stuff that uh, is pretty standard operating um, procedures for uh, a REST API. So if you're already familiar with Coldbox and you want to be a superhero, we got the Hero to Superhero one. So that's at the Area or Aria, I don't know how you say it, Resort and Casino there in Las Vegas. And it's after the uh, conference on the 3rd and 4th. So. Yep, we're going to be in the executive suite, so a nice little setup. We're going to have a uh, real nice setup there. Um, oh, yeah. And we're making the list, so if anybody has some snack Checking preferences. It yeah, we're, we're working on our snack list, so we got cheese, meats oh, and cheese, yeah. more cheese. cheese. Brad loves cheese. And uh, but if you guys want some certain snacks or anything, if you're coming to the training, let us know. But uh, we're getting ready two weeks away, so we're excited. Uh, it looks like we got a... Pretty pretty full group there, so if you want a spot, grab it now, and you can use the podcast ten discount code to get ten percent off the the price there. Mm -hmm. So uh, you meant you mentioned that we're in the suite. The Ordis trainings are always a very um, uh, well, I was going to say intimate affair, but I don't want that to be taken <laughs> the wrong way since this is Vegas. Cozy. Uh, the Ordis the Ordis trainings are always a, a small group. We usually cap a training at ten to fifteen people, depending on how many assistants we have. Um, so it's definitely not going to be you in a room with 150 other people. Um, it's going to be you with like maybe nine to 14 other people. And, uh, it's a lot of one-on-one -on -one personal help. So, you know, we say run this command, you get an error, right? In two seconds, Gavin's standing behind you, walking you through it to help fix it. So, uh, there's really a, a high value of, uh, of, you know, interaction directly with the instructors and the orders training. So. Yeah, and it's nice to have that sort of cohort feel too. You know, you guys make friends. You know, a lot of times we'll even go out to dinner afterwards, uh, after the first day, and everyone kind of hangs out and you know in a more relaxed setting. And and at the end of it, you know, we're, you're not just 
benefiting from the training and networking, but you've got some friends and some other people to call on on the Slack channel to, to help you out as you go. And it's kind of good to see, you know, come back to future conferences and run into those same people again. So if you're lucky like Gavin, you eventually land a job working at Ordis afterwards. Yep. That's how it <laughs> happened. <laughs> so yeah. Dark side. So when we say no pressure, no pressure, they might be <laughs> do well. And you may, you may get a job later. Maybe. <laughs> we are always growing our team so but yep um with that said if you can't make it to vegas uh we did have one in india but sorry sold out too late um <laughs> luis will be in india Build for that, that sucker up so yeah i mean uh obviously he's going to be there 16th and 17th for a boot camp if you're in the area and you can't go to the training just reach out to him on twitter or something he might be able to like meet up for for coffee or something like he's always wanting to to reach out and meet you know cold box lovers or at least people are talking about cold box he'll talk about cold box all day long yeah that's the bangalore india area which i think is a pretty big area yep so uh he's there and so at the same time um you guys are going to be at cf camp doing your thing so in Munich, Germany, we mm-hmm. have CF camp on the 17th and 18th of October. And then we have training before. So if you guys are going to Germany, you get your tickets booked. And that's about a month away now. Wow. Everything's coming up fast. So I you, know. Yeah. So, that time of year. Yeah. So um, at the CF camp, obviously, uh, their tickets are on sale. It's a month away. Uh, they have a cool party thing. Uh I think uh, Mark Drew and Rod Dudley are going to do the third episode of Codemasters after the first day. Uh, so definitely check that out. Uh, a lot of great speakers, a really diverse group, a lot of new topics and new speakers. So it sounds like it's going to be a really good CF camp. But mm-hmm. when you book your tickets, make sure you get there early, right? Because uh, you and Eric have something planned for beforehand. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. So the, the um, Hero Superhero that we're doing at CF Summit, I'll be uh, leading that one as well for as a pre-conference training for CF camp. So exact same session. So if you're across the pond, so to speak, and you can't make it over to Vegas, um, we'll be doing it there in Munich. And then Eric Peterson in his very first year at CF camp, uh, will be doing the, um, what's the name of his this test box, isn't it? BDD Looking forward to hearing the show notes. Yep. There we go. So he'll be doing a BDD and test box. Oh, there it is right there in the show notes. So, um, Definitely, uh, we've got two of those orders trainings, and those are the two days prior to the conference. So, and uh, it's not the only trainings. There's also a uh, Presidecon uh, doing some stuff there. So there's a lot of a uh, a lot of activity happening at CF Camp as well, which is good for the the people who can't make it cheaply and easily across the across the pond to the good old US of A. Yep, for sure. So yeah, there's there's other options. If you go to cfcamp.org/pre-conference.html, you can see all the options there. Um, and go ahead and throw that there. link in the, in the chat here too. Cool. Cool. Boom. Okay. And so that takes us, Oh, by the way, the podcast team does work on those, can, uh, those trainings for the oldest trainings in, uh, CF campus. Well. Oh, the so, discount code. Yeah. Discount code. So don't forget the discount code. Okay. So now we're up to blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So we've got a pretty good stash of, uh, blog post here so the first thing here we have a blog post and i guess uh there's a bug with fusion reactor and um redis session management so i guess on adobe cold fusion using redis um they're i guess adobe performance monitoring tool set and fusion reactor were fighting over the, the sessions <laughs> I haven't even and, seen uh, this one yet interesting and, yeah it pops up uh with 
basically a hot, a really high CPU usage. Um, I guess they're going back and forth to Redis about the sessions, and I'm not sure if they're all getting of, to some type of loop or not. But uh, we got the blog post there, so if you're using all the um, images in that blog post are broken for me. Is that just me? Not sure. Four oh fours. Yep, looks like it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go harass some people at Fusion Reactor right now. So here we go. So yep. So if you guys are using uh, Adobe Cold Fusion with Fusion Reactor or the, the Performance Monitoring Tools Kit, keep an eye on your CPU. You may have an issue there, and they are working to resolve it in Fusion Reactor right now. So hopefully they can get a blog uh, or a fix out for that pretty soon. Evagoras uh, is also uh, posting a few things this week. So he's got one about adding custom user metrics to a new relic using the Java Agent API. Um, so. I guess um, he has one just using ColdFusion with Java itself. So they have a couple of different options. So he has two blog posts on that. And basically uh, he had a, a client who needed app dynamics set up and, you know, logging their information to New Relic. So he sh went through and uh, luckily ColdFusion can leverage Java. So it made it pretty easy for him. So he went through being able to, you know, add all that custom data into their, uh, into their platform so they could query it and get that information back. So a couple of blog posts there on that. Um, so that's at evagoras.com and he has two blog posts as I mentioned so one is right. uh, using Java and the other one is using the Java agent API user reactor has been duly harassed about their missing images I'm sure they'll get on that all right there's then, uh, Evagoras' uh, blog posts there in the chat as well cool and then um, Gregory Alexander who we mentioned a, a couple weeks back I think for having a, a new cold fusion blog uh, has released the Galaxy Blog 1.35, and he has a parallax scene. I guess that's a new feature. And so if you actually go to his blog post, as you scroll down the page, it actually loads a parallax scene. It's kind of interesting. Um, and he, one of the first points inside that parallax scene is, the Galaxy Blog is a next-generation blog platform. Galaxy Blog is the most beautiful and functional open-source Cold Fusion blog in the world. So he's, uh, he's going for a big thing there, but uh, it does look pretty <laughs> cool. I like the little animation. The the parallax scene is pretty cool. What, what does it mean when you say parallax scene? Can you define that for our so when the background and the viewers? foreground moves differently as you scroll or adjust? I know that they used to have one of those Star Wars looking one on GitHub when you went to the wrong repo, and as you scrolled or moved, the like the mm -hmm. the front would change. So look when you're looking at Netflix and you're waiting for a show. They have like the background moving one direction and the foreground moving a different way. It's kind of like a parallax effect. Is as you move, it's supposed to, you know, move faster or slower. I believe. I but um, yeah, it looks like uh, Gregory's been pretty busy on this. Uh, he's got a lot of great work. He's working really hard on the, on the performance side of things with Google uh, Speed and uh, Lightbox. And so he actually has another blog post uh, about the Galaxy Blog 1.35 of Lightbox uh, results. Um, so we'll see that as well. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, if you guys are looking for a new blog, um, you know, check that out. And he's looking for help as well. So if you want to contribute to an open source project, maybe this is the way to go. Uh, I'm definitely gonna have to check it, check it out because obviously I work on Content Box CMS, and we use that at Audis. Um, and so kind of curious what he's doing differently. And yeah, you know, when are you gonna like have those parallax scenes ready, Gavin? I need those. <laughs> Why do you need them, Brad? because <laughs> you're bored the same reason i need cheese gavin yeah because because well, you're hungry yep. yeah 
so uh, so yeah so check that out uh it's pretty cool i like you know it's good to see more open source projects on another blog uh never hurts uh it's good to see some fresh blood there a lot of people are still using blog cfc and you know some of those older blogs for cold fusion development so nice to see a new one so uh looks like john wish has been busy writing uh more blog posts on the coldfusion.adobe.com site so regular expression anchors with multiple lines so talks about how to use that uh in cfml so uh, pretty cool if you guys use regular expressions i always recommend the regexer.com website uh makes it much easier to work with but uh this is a great little blog post that john wrote up to, to help you with that so talking about using anchors for multiple lines so pretty cool anchors away and then nice. i haven't even next, read this one yet Man, see does, does do the Adobe blog not have any like good syntax highlighting in the code box? I'm not sure. It's a shame. Yep. So, again, uh, the next tweet is one by me talking about the Modernizer Die Soapbox episode that I released with Charlie. So, uh, the link's there for YouTube and the Modernizer Die website, so you can get to all of that. So, if you want to listen to it on Spotify or you want to, you know, watch it on YouTube, all the links are available there. And then, oh, it was Gray Desmond that said, you got around to the comments video in the Cold Fusion Specialist course, and lo and behold, it's selfish ass to do in the tutorial. If it's learning <laughs> involving CFML, he's everywhere. Everywhere. Insert creepy laugh. <laughs> you know, I got a South of Shasta shirt from Nolan or get into the box last year. Okay, um, cool. And uh, I actually, I had it on uh, on a Wednesday, which I went to church that night. And I, I swear I had like five people like ask me what my shirt meant. They're like, South of Shasta, what's that? Do you know what so it means? So he really is everywhere. Do you know what it actually means? Uh, I believe he lives south of a city named Shasta. That's my understanding. Uh, I wouldn't call it a city, but yeah, Mount Shasta, <laughs> Northern California. It's pretty oh, it's a mountain? Okay. And it was some kind of well, geographical I think there's a location. town there too, but yeah, Mount Shasta is a pretty big mountain, Northern California. So, because he lives up just, I think he's just north of Sacramento, just south of Shasta. So, but yeah, interesting name. And then it uh, looks like Ben adele has been busy again. So, Ooh, Fusion Reactor has already replied to my support request about their missing images cabin. That's oh. the kind of uh, results we like instant <laughs> replies. Very cool. They told me they're working on the missing images. So, there you go, folks. Okay. Well, they should fix the problem first. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. so both it's all about important. the images. Yep. But, um, so yeah, Ben Adele was um, working with the cash rule then. So, he's been doing that memoization stuff. Uh, been working through all the different parts of Lucy, and he was looking how um, you can do the immediately invoked function expressions with Lucy, and actually how to use cache within you know enclosures. So I didn't even think about that, but yeah, if you write a closure in Lucy, you can actually cache it, which is pretty neat. I never even considered it because it's not a full function. I didn't think yeah. it would work, but yeah, you can just throw the metadata right into your closure. And yeah, it'll actually cache it. So it's kind of nice to see a, a real world example of the, uh, how do you say it, immediately invoked function expression. That's written IIFE. Uh, if you're not familiar with what that is, it's pretty common in JavaScript. 
Um, Lucy supports it, but Adobe Cold Fusion doesn't because it doesn't tend to support the same kind of cool stuff that Lucy does. But basically, it's if you declare a, a closure, which is, you know, function and then the curly braces, and you wrap that entire declaration in parentheses, and you put another set of open-closed parentheses at the end. So basically, the expression itself is a function and a variable. And when you say declare it and then immediately execute it, which is a kind of a cool way to encapsulate um, some code and, you know, kind of gives you an encapsulation of your variables as well. You know, any local variables you put in there don't bleed outside of that. Um, ironically, I remember when the ticket was first put in the Lucy bug base to have, you know, immediately invocable um, function expressions. Uh, one of the Lucy engineers actually pushed back and said, well, why would you ever want to do that? Which, frankly, I think is a bit silly because, like, look at the JavaScript world. People have been using that for years and years. Um, so, anyway, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw a blog post detailing some, like, actual, like, real-world examples of, of using that. So, that's pretty cool. You always count on Ben to come up with some cool some cool ways to do something you've never thought of before. Yeah, and that's what he says. Like, you know, he may not even use this for production, but, you know, it's really cool for all the short-term, you know, local development stuff where he's playing with something, testing something out. So it was pretty neat. So, yeah, I like reading stuff like that. It always pushes your limits a little bit and learn something new. Uh, we also had a tweet from Michael Bourne. Uh, so this was last week. He was saying, anyone interested in a live coding stream tonight at 7 Eastern? I'm going to build a few CRUD screens with Coldbox and Quick for practice. So he's nice. on Twitch doing live CFML coding. So And you thought Twitch was only for Minecraft streaming. <laughs> <laughs> Fooled you. Yeah, right, and so, Cold Fusion, baby. So yeah, so he said it was a little scary, uh, but uh, uh, he didn't want us to publicize it too much yet because he's just getting the hang of it. But uh, I thought it was pretty cool, um, you know. So if you guys want to follow him, uh, and he he'll tweet out when he's going live, and you guys can get on and you know sort of do some peer programming and and look and see what he's exploring. You know, he's he's missing so I, stuff. I'll and, be honest, I've never used Twitch. Um, can people communicate with you if they're watching your stream? How does that work? I think you just message in the comments, just like normal. Okay. So it's, it's very similar so it, to like it, going live on YouTube. But if there's just... people that make a living playing like Minecraft on Twitch, I want to know, can I make a living writing like ColdFusion code on Twitch? Is this a viable option? Well, not if you're writing just ColdFusion, but yeah, people could theoretically <laughs> support you and everything. And uh, yeah. I, I guess, guess the key is, are there are there thousands and thousands of people willing to watch you do whatever it is you're doing? Maybe you. Yeah. Maybe you. <laughs> um, and so uh, right. I don't John actually have the, the Twitch stream. I was going to say, I don't I have actually the, have this Twitch stream here, but maybe Michael, if you're in the chat, can you throw that in there? Uh, um, there's sure. the, the tweet URL. You can probably uh, reply to that and holler at Michael to see if he has it. Yep. So next on the list, we did mention uh, Gregory Alexander's Google Lighthouse metrics for the Galaxy Blog 1.35. So, um, oh, 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 I found the Twitch stream. It was in the Twitter conversation. Oh, cool. Look at me. I can read. <laughs> so uh, talk about the Lighthouse metrics for Google. Um, I guess he's finally given up. Uh, he's basically done nearly perfect with the Lighthouse score. So um, he's pretty happy. He's get 90% performance, 100% accessibility, 100% best practices, uh, and then 100% for search engine optimization. So this is a pretty pretty impressive number, especially when you look at the industry, you know, closer to 20, 30, 40% for most of that. So um, pretty neat. Um, I'm sure that we'd uh, probably need some work if we threw a content box through it. So maybe that can be uh, one of my, <laughs> one of my sprints here. Put a ticket here. for it right now. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, we usually use some of the Google tools to check that out. And uh, like I said, he's really focusing on that. And so looks like it's a, a big, if you're really concerned about those scores, then uh, Galaxy Blog might be the one for you. Uh, also, we had a podcast from Terratech, the State of the Union 2019 survey with Brad Whoa. Wood. So I'm not Crazy. sure when you recorded this and when it was originally released, but I just saw it pop up. We again, recorded so. it probably a couple months ago. That's what I um, thought. So, but you had a good the conversation. Terratech about guys it. usually have a bunch of a bunch of podcasts in the pipes. So, um, yeah, it's basically just uh, Raquel and I going through the um, the results from the 2019 survey. And you know, I love the State of the CF Union survey just because. I can kind of see, you know, what are the frameworks that are out there? What are the trends? What kind of databases? What operating systems are people using? And, um, you know, is the maintainer of, of Coldbox, I'm sorry, of Commandbox and a committer on Coldbox, it's always interesting to see, you know, how many people are still on ColdFusion 9? How many people are still on ColdFusion 11? You know, how many people have moved from Lucy 4 to Lucy 5? And so uh, we basically just kind of went through kind of blow by blow and, analyzed a bunch of those responses and talked about them. So it's, uh, it's always a, a, a fun trend to see, you know, stuff like source control are, are more people using it this year than last year, uh, things like that. Very and that's cool. what that blog post basically, or not blog post. That's what that podcast was. was us just kind of going through talking about all those results. Yep. And if you want, there's a transcript link there as well. So you can just read it if you don't want to hear Brad talking anymore today. If you're, if you're that lazy. <laughs> uh, there's also a tweet um, from Sean in Henderson. Uh, CFML tip about replace list. So I guess today's tip, replace list is case sensitive and there's no corresponding replace list, no case function in Lucy. It's only present in the ColdFusion version 2016 or later. So most of the ColdFusion mm. functions have a replace, no case, you know, et cetera, mm. but uh, not for replace list apparently. So sounds like that's so a that's... ticket waiting to happen. Yeah, so that that must have been left out of the Adobe notes. I know that every time a new you know Adobe ticket comes out, uh, Misha, the lead developer on Lucy, will basically uh, kind of put in a ticket in the Lucy bug base, and he'll kind of just parse through all the release notes and everything for that Adobe ColdFusion version, and just build a, a list of all the new features they added, and he'll go through and add those all into Lucy. Um, so if that wasn't added, then I'm sure it probably just was one of those things that didn't get documented or maybe get overlooked, but. Yeah, like you said, that's a ticket waiting to happen. I'll reply to the tweet and ask if there's a ticket. Or, yeah, because yeah. it's one of those things where, uh, you know, Lucy always tries to be, you know, compatible with Adobe where possible, where Adobe doesn't seem to care what Lucy does. But, um, yeah, so that's interesting. I, I, mean, I wish the other way around would happen more often. Yeah. There's a lot of really handy little things that Lucy does. I mean, really minor stuff like uh, um, directory delete, right? Um, Lucy has an extra parameter that says ignore the directory if, it, if it's already gone, right? And, and Adobe ColdFusion doesn't have that. So you always have to write like three lines of code. It's like, if not directory, if directory exists, then directory delete. Um, like little stuff like that. Man, I wish Adobe would pick that stuff up and add it in because that's some of the little tiny things that Lucy just really makes easier. Yeah, and you, once you start porting, you know, lots of legacy sites over, you'll notice all the differences pretty quick. And I know, like, as a framework developer, you know, we build Coldbox that has to run on both engines. So some of the cool stuff we wish we could do, we just can't because, the you know, we've got to make them compatible. So we usually have to find the lowest common denominator instead of the the nice, friendly way to do mm. things. So Not in command box. Well. <laughs> See, that's my guilty pleasure in, in command boxes. I can use whatever the heck 
Syntax is supported by whatever version of Lucy I'm bundling the CLI. Boom. Want to use arrow functions? Go for it, which I've actually started doing recently. It's really nice. Wow. It's not, not like the Colbox world where we're still supporting ColdFusion 11, and that <laughs> totally nixes all sorts of, uh, of modern stuff. Yeah. It's pretty funny the modern cold fusion framework is not modern because we're going to support cf11 from 12 years ago but anyways we'll, we'll be dropping it soon it's end of life but uh so we also have the kai koenig tweet about uh, adobe not including cold fusion in their web development category so that's listed there under that as well and then pete had a another blog post about cold fusion function arguments now support integers so i remember when this didn't happen on either of them uh a lot of developers always put integer instead of numeric because that's what they think it is and then it would throw a fit and then i noticed it started a while back that wouldn't happen it wouldn't error on us and it looks like um 2016 2018 you can use integer as a type now for cold fusion arguments but not See, for I, I would always types. get confused between numeric and number and if mm -hmm. i wasn't thinking clearly i would try to type both words at the same time and i type numeric <laughs> <laughs> numeric well, you would, Brad. But uh, so yeah. So he mentions that. I guess there's some other options too. I guess you can use email now as a as a required field too. And so yeah, it looks like almost everything you can pass into is valid can be uh, a type. So I, I had had a little chat with Pete about this on CFML Slack. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. So it, it seems this feature kind of snuck into Adobe Cold Fusion. Um, I'd never seen or heard anything of it. I don't think it was documented. And of course, Lucy doesn't support it because um, we just noticed it. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it though, because the problem is email's not really a type, right? So, like, you know, string is a type, struct is a type, um, you know, array is a type, uh, a CFC instance of user is a type. Um, well, that means email, serial number is a uh, social security number would be a type now too, because that's one. Yeah, supported, I, 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 I haven't I haven't tried that, but I assume it would be. So, like, email isn't isn't from a, a purist language design standpoint, as Sean Corfield would say. I always like to use that phrase. You know, email is not a data type, at least not a first-class data type in ColdFusion. But then again, ColdFusion is a little whiffly waffly on what exactly are proper, you know, first-class data types. Email is a thing that a string can be used as or validated as. So it kind of feels like they've kind of mixed and matched, you know, type enforcement with validation. Um, I don't know. Like, at first glance, I'm like, no, oh, that seems useful. At second glance, I'm like, nah, I don't know if I like it. Just since, you know, email is not really strictly a type. But um, I might have been in favor if they had maybe a slightly different syntax to enforce it. Um, hmm. It's just a little odd. But then again, I mean, cold fusion by nature has always been sort of, you know, vague <laughs> on, on what really is a type. And cold fusion has always been big on, you know, this just means this can be cast as. Um, cause it's an interesting, Dynamic, yeah. yeah, it's an, an interesting behavior. Not everybody's aware of, um, you can pass in, um, a number that, you know, behind the scenes is an actual, you know, Java lang double, right? You can pass that into a function argument that's marked as a string and cold fusion, Adobe or Lucy will not convert it to a Java lang string. It'll leave it as a Java lang double, but it will still pass the string check because it doesn't actually force it to be a, a true proper string. It simply says, can this string be turned, or can this variable rather, be turned into a string if we need it to in the future? Which is kind of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff, right? And so the answer to that is, well, yeah, sure, we could make this a string if we wanted, so it passes. 
So people will get confused sometimes. They'll declare a function and they'll say uh, the parameter has to be a string and they'll try to use like a string member function on it. You know, my parameter dot len. And then it blows up sometimes because it's not a string. It's a, it's a, it's a Java double behind the scenes. Um, and I find that behavior really irritating, to be honest, because um, Adobe and Lucy had the same sort of issue. But these, you know, these UDF argument types are always a little, a little vague in that, you know, they've never really been completely enforced. It's more just can this incoming variable be used, you know, in this manner. So this kind of just makes it even a bit more vague. But I don't know. Like I said, I'm not entirely sure how, uh, how much I care for it. But kudos on Pete for finding that because that was definitely something that I don't think anybody had noticed. Um, it was more of an accident that he that he came across it. Hmm. Well, yeah, that's it's always interesting. But yeah, I wonder if Lucy's going to adopt those, or are they going to discuss if they should adopt them or not? If somebody if somebody puts in a ticket, I'm sure he will. Um, by he, I mean Misha. I mean, generally speaking, unless it goes against a core principle of of Lucy, or like you know, you know, for instance, Lucy passes arrays by reference, right? They're not going to change that. Period you know, for, for lots of reasons, you know, CF thread doesn't duplicate complex arguments in Lucy. They're not going to change that outside of a few scenarios in which they're like, no, that's, that's a stupid design decision. We're not going to follow it. Generally speaking, Lucy will always just do whatever Confusion does in that regard. So I have a feeling eventually someone will put in a ticket for this and it'll get done. Um, even though I, I wish, I wish Adobe had talked to the community first about this because I would have probably suggested a couple of alternative ways to accomplish it, but oh well. Yeah. They didn't ask me my opinion, Gavin. Yeah, <laughs> we know better to do that. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, geez, don't ask him. He'll probably complain about everything. Well, it looks like you're busy on Twitter again. Uh, you're also tweeting about uh, when reporting a Lucy regression, uh, how to get a higher priority on it. So you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so uh, I did tweet that. Um, the, the tweet is true and informational. It was also tweeted out of a bit of frustration in that I had reported some regressions in Lucy 5.3 months ago, and I thought it was kind of obvious it was a regression because it was something that had always worked before and it suddenly stopped working. Um, but there was never any movement on on the ticket, which was entered as a bug. Um, and I enter most things as, a bugs, as, as bugs nowadays because I've learned that enhancements go to the pit of despair. Um, so I was watching Princess Bride last night with my daughter. Mm -hmm. So, um, But I, I finally... Uh, was able to catch Misha and I asked him like, Hey, what's the status on this, you know, bug? Like this is one of the major regressions is preventing command box from being able to use Lucy five, three. Um, and the answer was he, he ignored it cause he didn't know it was a regression. Uh, so I was like, are you kidding? Like I thought it was obvious it was a regression, but I hadn't explicitly marked it as a regression by using the word quote regression in quote anywhere in the ticket or adding the regression, uh, label or component or whatever it's called. Um, to the ticket. So for what it's worth, um, bugs that are also a specific regression, meaning a new version of Lucy comes out and breaks something that used to work. Um, those are given a higher priority than just a bug that's, you know, always existed. So even if you think it's clear that you're reporting a regression in a, in a new version of Lucy and you even, you know, set the, the version of Lucy that it broke on, make sure that you actually like very explicitly state this is a regression uh, that used to work and just now quit working and add that regression tag um, to it. And that'll make sure the that Misha and Patrick, the the project manager for Lucy, will will see that and put it as, as a little bit higher priority because they do try to fix thing, uh, regressions if possible in the, in the very next version. So unfortunately, this regression, uh, well, the regression, the regression in question that led me to put this tweet out um, 
is going to have taken two or three releases of Lucy before the stupid thing finally gets fixed now, uh, mm-hmm. which is frustrating when something breaks, you know, in the first place. But when it breaks and it's not fixed in the next release, you know, or the one after, and you have to wait two or three releases, obviously that just it keeps kicking, you know, the can down the the road. So, yep. Make sure you uh, you tag those regressions as as such if you ever want them fixed. Yeah, ever. <laughs> yep. Um, again, we have a, a tweet from. Bray Dismond, the Cold Fusion Specialist Certification, talking about how he's happy they're all... Sh- well, said that they're all showing a script. Didn't say if he's happy about it or not, but uh, we, we mentioned this one earlier, so I'll skip past this. We also have a blog post from Michael Bourne about getting started in CFML, the resource list for newbies. So yeah, you were talking before about converting one, yeah. people over to using Cold Fusion from you know, .NET or other walks of life and other languages. So we walks started a little life. list here, and you know he's going to try and keep that list up to date. But if you guys got any, you know, anything you want to add to it or whatever, comment or message him with links, and he'll uh, try and get those this updates done. See, a lot of times there's information out there, and people just don't know about it. So, um, yeah. you know, we've got the modern CF Mel in 100 minutes. We have CF in a week. Uh, CF Docs, Lucy Docs, Slack, Forums, Podcasts. Oh, look, we're listed here. Yeah, this is great. This is a great uh, um, resource. I put it there in the chat to you guys. Very cool. He even has a link to his Twitch channel. See, he's committed now. Uh-oh. Michael's now committed to publishing regular live Twitch streams of his coding. <laughs> yep. 9 o'clock to 5 o'clock every day. <laughs> <laughs> 9 to 5. I don't think That's you can geez. do that. There's a few NDA stuff. <laughs> Things I'm sure he works on. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, we got a couple of job opportunities. As you mentioned before, people are always looking for jobs and developers, but there's a, a couple more listed here. So there's a Cold Fusion software engineer position full-time at Webstaurant Store. Uh, it looks like it's full-time. A Webstaurant in, Store? Yeah, Webstaurant. That is, that is a brand new one. Wow. Yep, and that's in Tampa, Florida. Here's so, that Webstaurant link. Cool. So they're looking for a Cold Fusion version 9+. plus. Nine plus. That's. Yeah. Mm, they better be hiring someone to help them upgrade. Yeah. Well, they said nine plus at least, so that means they want something well, semi recent. Yeah. You know, years. they wouldn't say nine plus unless they had Cold Fusion nine in their stack. <laughs> so probably. So um, if, if hot tip, if you interview there, your first question is, "Where are you at in your upgrade process?" And if yeah. if they're not like halfway through it or hiring you to execute it. You better have a heart to heart with them. <laughs> yep. Or add this a, is how add it's a legacy be. tax to your <laughs> negotiation. A legacy tax. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I'm going to work for you, but if you make me touch your legacy code, it's going to cost you. Yep. I got to do something to make the pain feel better. <laughs> yeah. And we have another position full time at Accenture in um, Poon. Maharashtra, India. Uh, Cold yeah, let's go developer. with that one. Um, so looking for responsibility of translating the UI UX design frameworks to actual code. That'll be HTML5, etc. And they'll work with the UI UX to bridge the gap between graphic design and technical implementation. Um, so it is a Cold Fusion developer, so it looks like you'll be you know, working with designers and implementing that in HTML and Cold Fusion. So, nice. Okay. All right. Last minute addition right here. I saw this come on Twitter earlier today. This isn't a job offer. It's actually the other way around. If you are looking to hire a developer, um, uh, the Fat Panther, I forget his real name, 
uh, even though I've met him before at Cold Fusion Summit, and he always changes his uh, his name on Twitter. Like every month, it's a different name. But a uh, username Fat Panther. He posted today that he's in the Sacramento area, and uh, his contract will be up in December. So if anyone in the Sacramento area is hiring and looking for a Cold Fusion developer, um, we'll put that link in there too. You can uh, reach out to him. Yeah, it looks like he's got twenty plus years of experience in Cold Fusion, JavaScript, UX, and kick-ass business analyst skills. Look at, look at that. I mean, doesn't get any better, right? Exactly. So, cool, cool. Well, there that concludes our blogs, tweets, videos, and jobs of the week. And next up, we have our Forgebox module of the week. So, oh, yeah. Doing a lot of work with APIs, as I usually do. And um, we actually made a couple of updates this last week to one of the, the modules. So, I decided that should be the module of the week. So it's a module by Eric Peterson. It's the cores module. So if you've worked with APIs and you've made it off of your local host, you've probably been bitten by cores. <laughs> so what is cores, Gavin? C-O-R-S. What does that mean? Uh, Cross-origin resource something. I forget. But basically it means... <laughs> <laughs> cool story, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Cross-origin resource sharing. Sharing. Okay. Thank you, Google. Yep. As I say, you can Google that. But yeah, so basically, um, when one website is trying to talk to another website um, via JavaScript or API requests, etc., and a lot of things will get blocked because it's not safe to do so. So uh, if your browser makes a request, usually it sends certain information with that request, and then the server has to respond a certain way to let it know it's okay to, to continue, otherwise the browser will block it. If you're going from localhost to localhost, and the ports are the same, you know, you don't usually have any problems, but as soon as you change ports or change host name, you'll run into these cores issues. So this module is cool because it adds all the cores headers to your app in one module. It detects the cores requests, validates them against your configured origins and handles pre-fright requests. Good old browser security. I know, I remember the good old days back when you could just, you know, make Ajax calls wherever the heck you wanted and browsers didn't care. Yep, and now they do. <laughs> So yeah, this module works nicely. Uh, we made a few changes to the way it works for option calls as well, because we were using CBGuard, another module I think we've talked about in the past, to you know do some work. We had interception points firing for validating API tokens and, and that stuff. Some of the things you'll see at your training in Vegas, I'm sure. And so we had to make some no changes to options requests because options requests, you don't actually send the authorization headers through. So it was trying to validate mm. that your token was valid, but on an option request, but I never knew it wasn't that. there. So but I guess options aren't supposed to have any server-side processing. It's just supposed to get a list back of what you can, of do what you can run, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so it looks like Cores has 12 versions and almost 3,000 installs. So Yep, it's, it's a, a pretty cool little module. Um, so check it out. And like I said, it makes your life easier for him to deal with that. So, and there are some options you can configure it, but pretty much out of the box, it should do most of what you need. Um, so yeah, so that's the the module. And let me just show you here what it looks like on Forgebox. So cause modules, you see some of the configuration there as well. So some options. So this is sort of the default configuration. So if you don't want to mess with it, uh, you can do that. A lot of origins by default uh, lets everybody communicate, but you can lock it down if you need to. So there we go. And then next on our list, we come to the VS Code hints, tips, and tricks of the week. 
And this one actually came from a tweet, which one I didn't mention in the list. But uh, James Mobert, or uh, Game Over is his Twitter handle. Game uh, Over, man. Game Over. Yep. He tweeted. He said he wanted to track his Cold Fusion development time using VS Code. Because Waka Time uses paid subscription and uses Google Analytics and can be sluggish at times. I've switched to coding tracker and using CFML to generate reports, filterable reports, and interactive graphs. So... Basically, this week, our VS Code extension of the week is Coding Tracker. So it's a VS Code extension that will actually track your coding activity so you can run reports and figure out how much time you spent on each project. You can base it uh, on branches or projects based on certain files, etc. And then you can produce nice little pretty graphs and stuff. So... Um, it's only got about 5,000 downloads right now, but it is five stars for those nine people that have actually taken the time to review it. So I don't know how <laughs> it's a skewed demographic, it is, but, uh, but James is using it and he recommended it via a tweet. So I thought that's pretty cool. Uh, would add that one in. So pretty easy to get going. Just search for coding tracker. Uh, it looks like you, Liu, you was the designer of this it supports multiple languages too, which is pretty neat. So that's hmm. kind of pretty cool out there. So anyway, um, that's our VS Code tip, trick, and a hint of the week. So again, uh, I might have to try that one out. I'm curious how it works. Obviously, we're not always in code when we do our work, but it's kind of nice to be able to get a report on it. It might be interesting to see you know, what projects I spend most of my time in. So good one to try out. So then next. So I'm, I'm curious if it only if it only captures time when you're actually like writing code, or if you just had that project open and like go to lunch. Does that count for an hour of being on that project? Yeah, I'm curious if it's the one in focus or, or not. Yeah, I don't know. So I guess we'll have to try it and find out. So, but yeah, I was thinking the same thing because a lot of times I'll have three or four open because I have like you know my API open in one, have my JavaScript in another, my Cold Fusion code in another. If I'm doing different things and. I got windows everywhere, so but yeah, windows I'm curious. Everywhere. Okay, so now come to that time of the show. We thank our Patreon supporters. So we've updated the picture. If you're watching the video, the picture is updated, uh, and we have the full list updated as well. So there was a couple new ones last week that we added. If you go to autosolutions.com/slash about-dash us/slash sponsors, you can see all the sponsors, including uh, some of the the top notch sponsors as well we actually have a little category of uh what it was called superstars what are we called in here it's like a top shelf sponsor hall of fame so mm. all of our sponsors are important uh, to keep our open source projects alive which are grateful however there's a few that stands out and so the seo for a search engine optimization a hollander company andrew davis from blue water business solutions don bellamy and there's a link to his LinkedIn profile and Eric Hoffman. And so those are all available on the about-us-slash-sponsors page and also tells you a little more about some of the other sponsoring organizations. But, uh, yeah, we want to thank everyone who's a sponsor here. And if you aren't a Patreon sponsor and you'd like to sponsor us, uh, check out that site. And then on Patreon, there are a lot of different levels too. So if you want to... You know, pick a higher level. There's more perks for being a, a bigger supporter, and we want to, you know, thank everybody who can support, whether it's an individual or a company. We we appreciate all the help. It really does make a big difference. So you want to try and slaughter these names? 
Sure. Uh, Andrew Davis, Brian White, Carl Von Stetten, Dali, Dan Carr, Daniel Garcia, David Bellinger, uh, Didier Lesnicki, Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, Gary Knight, Jan Yannick, Jeremy Adams, uh, John Ferrari, Jordan Clark, Joseph Lamery, Laskama Titoradi. I'm going to guess on that one. Matthew Clement, Richard Herbert, Samuel Noelton, Scott Steinbeck, VJ, and Yogesh Mathur. Thank you to all of you guys who help support Bordis Open Source. So we can say thank you. You guys helped get Command Box 4.8 out today. That's right. <laughs> you you all pushed the button with me to run the Jenkins build. I appreciate it. Cool, cool. Well, that's another week. It's a wrap. It's a long one. We had a lot of great content. You guys are pumping out lots of good stuff. So thank you for sharing it. Uh, if you guys want to make sure that we see it, make sure you tag it with this uh, hash CFML. And you can tag myself, Brad, Auto Solutions, where we watch all those channels on Twitter. We never sleep. That's for sure. <laughs> and for those of you coming to CF Summit, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Adios. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you. Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Blue Tree Audio.